Welcome to Fitz Dog Radio. I'm in an eerie light. I'm back in the uh, Venice Beach Fitz Dog Studios. We got uh, one of those social media lights over in the corner, which you can see. Look at my glasses. See that little circle right in the middle? Yeah, that's why we don't like those. Um, very exciting. It's the uh, it's the college. NCAA championships tonight. I will not be watching. I believe it's Michigan. And who are they playing, JoJo? Somebody. She has no idea either. We're not a college football family. We are uh, a Catholic family. We're about praying, asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive our sins in deed and in thought. That's the thing around this house is we, we, we worry about our thoughts. That's what's important. That's what I was taught growing up in the Catholic Church, is if you think it, you did it. That's it. You didn't have to actually... I mean, how fucked up is that to tell a child that the thoughts they can't control are evil and will send you to a pit of fire forever? Want some dessert? No, Ma, I'm going to sit in the fetal position in my room and think about eternal damnation because I thought about stealing something. I didn't do it, but the concept crossed my mind. So I will burn until my skin melts forever. Oh, my God. Anyway, so college football, who cares? I watched pro football yesterday. It's kind of a bummer because my teams were all playing second stringers. I like watching the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes was benched. Kelsey was benched. Uh, they don't want to they because they're already locked for the playoffs. So this was an extra game they don't need to win. So the Chargers, Herbert was benched. Everybody I was excited to watch, and so it was a boring day of football. But the real the wild card starts next week. I got the 49ers to win the whole thing. Um but who knows? Maybe the Rams will step up and take it all again, like we did a few years ago. Um, it is weird, though, because when you when your team is locked for the playoffs and you don't need the win, how do you like to be somebody that goes, no, but you're still playing? We don't value you enough. We don't really care if you get injured. Just get in there and whatever happens, happens. Oh, what the fuck? That hurts. That hurts a little bit. I was out with my nephew when we went out. To, I was thinking about Teslas because I have to buy a new car. Or I think lease. I've never leased a car because that always seems like a sucker's bet. It seems like you're paying, you're paying them and you're not getting any uh, equity out of the deal. Like, I've had my Prius for a lot of years. I own that shit out. Every year, I drive it for free. There's no monthly payment. I drive it for free. And if I sell it, I get all the money. So, I don't know about this leasing idea. But anyway, uh, so I'm thinking about a Tesla. But then I went out with my nephew, and, like, we had to charge his car. We had to drive, like, 30 minutes to get to a charging station, and then you had to park it overnight. And even when he came back the next morning, it wasn't fully charged because something wasn't done right. It's like, give me a fucking break. I don't need to live like that. We've got this kind of perfect invention where 
You put, okay. So you put some dinosaur blood in there. That's fine. However that works, I don't know where they get the oil. I don't, I'm not an ethical person. But you turn the key, the car goes. And it keeps going until you stop at any one of millions of stations every couple blocks, which will put more dinosaur piss into your car. And you keep on going. It's kind of great. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like a heroin addict looking for their next fix, not knowing am I going to get caught without a bag of dope and get dope sick and get stuck by the side of the road. No, I don't need that pressure in my life. I got enough pressure in my life. I don't need to worry about fuel like 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 it's Mad Max and I got to tool through the desert beating back gremlins so I can fill up my tank. Fuck that. Um, Kind of tough news this week. I have recorded my special, as you know. I'm editing it right now. And in the middle of the editing, I get a call from a good buddy of mine who's a comedian. Not a good buddy, but a buddy. A guy I've known for a lot of years, and he's a super nice guy. And he told me that he sent a friend to come out and see me this weekend in L.A. And that the friend came back and told him that I have the same bit as him. Now, keep in mind, as much as I've known this guy, I've not really... We're both headliners, so I don't really see his act. But somehow, we have a concept that is very... It's more than similar. It's the same concept. And... And the beats are similar. And it's really one of those things where you go like, all right, it's not like, it's not nuclear physics, this bit. It's pretty much sitting out there. It's a, it's a, it's an accessible idea. It's not that it's not a good idea, but you can see more than one person thinking of it. So anyway, he called me and he said, you know, I've already done it on a TV show. He sent me the clip. Um, and so I said, I'd drop it. So I'm dropping it. So I got to cut it out of my special, which sucks because it's like it's kind of the end of a whole long line of it's a it's a chunk of material. And this was like the out. This was the fucking act three. This was the closer to that piece of the special. And I got to take it out. But it's the right thing to do. It's just what you do. If somebody else has the bit and they've already recorded it, it's their bit. That's it. And. So anyway, we're going to we're going to hang out next week. I'm sure we'll have a laugh about it. But it's it sucks cuz now I got to rework the order of some stuff in the special. But it will be coming out. I'm hoping in March. That's the plan. I was out this weekend working on new shit, trying to build the new hour and I met a comic who I got to say I was very impressed by. There's a guy you may or may not know him. He's been on SNL for a couple years now. His name is uh, Marcello Hernandez, and he is young kid. I don't think the guy's more than 24, 25 years old. Uh, Latino dude whose mother's from Cuba. Dad is, I think, Dominican. And he's got material about his folks that is, it's so, it's original, it's funny, it's specific. He's got unbelievable stage presence. This kid is so confident in his own skin. I, you know, I don't hang out and watch comics a lot, but he was on right after me. And I was like, oh, I've never seen this guy. And so I start watching him. 
great dude. So I go to the green room afterwards, and a um, bunch of comics are hanging out, Bobby Lee and uh, David Spade. Um, and so everybody seemed to know this guy. I'm like, how has he been in the business three years, and every single comic who's come in here has like given him a hug? So he's that kind of guy. He's like really uh, magnanimous. Is that the word? Not magnanimous. Um, he's got a lot of charisma. And he was very complimentary to me. He's like, I've always watched your stuff. I'm a fan, blah, blah, blah. So then now, now I like him even more. And so we talked for a while. And uh, I got to say, I got to start watching. I have not been watching SNL for a while. It feels like it's yesterday's news. Like SNL feels just fucking so manufactured there doesn't feel like there's anything there's no sketch structure that's interesting there's no joke structures on weekend update that are that interesting and but i'm gonna start watching for this guy check him out and then i went down i did corolla asked me to go down to san diego with him last night and we did a we did a podcast, and then they got a new crowd in, and we did a stand-up show. But during the podcast, he kind of put me on the spot. Like, his whole crowd is pretty right-wing, if not very right-wing. And so he starts talking, and we're up on stage together just riffing. And then he goes, uh, so, Greg, why do you defend uh, Gavin Newsom in front of all these people? And I'm like, first of all, I'm not a political guy. I'm not super political. I mean, I tend to, I'm a Democrat, but I'm not, I don't wear it on my sleeve. It's not something I walk on stage and talk about. And all of a sudden, and the people start booing Gavin Newsom. I'm like, what kind of fucking hellstorm have you just thrown me into? Now I'm supposed to defend a guy that I know very little about in front of a bunch of people that are predisposed to hate him? What the fuck, man? So I just said, I don't know a lot about California politics, which was absolutely true. And then- and then we did the rest of the show, which was great. And Adam was so fucking funny. He's a he's he's one of those prolific guys. Every time I see him, he's got new material, and the audience yells shit out. And he's always got good stuff on it. Um, and so it was nice to sleep, do a gig, and sleep in my own bed, which is nice. And I will be uh, that show comes out. I think the day you're listening to this, I think Corolla's. If you want to listen to. Me on a live Corolla podcast. Um, we did it with Jody Miller, who's very funny. I think she's going to come on the show soon. I'm also coming to the Den Theater this Saturday night. I'm pretty psyched. It's one of my favorite places in the country to play. It's just one night, one show, Chicago, January 13th. Get tickets at fitzdog.com. And then I'll be at the Atlanta Punchline next week, January 18th through 20. Portland Helium Comedy Club, February 22nd through 24th. Then I will be in La Jolla in March, Tampa in April. Go to fitzdog.com. Get your tickets. Don't mess around. And also remember that this podcast is brought to you by the lovely folks over at betterhelp.com. BetterHelp is online therapy that allows you to stay in your own home in your own clothes, maybe wear pajamas. Maybe that helps you heal. Maybe you got a martini. The therapist doesn't care. They are licensed and they are matched up with you based on a questionnaire that you fill out. What are your needs? What are your hangups? What are your neuroses? What are your goals? And then they they match you with somebody who's perfect for that. I did it during the pandemic. I got matched up with somebody fantastic. We had, we, 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 
They taught me cognitive behavioral therapy where I changed my thoughts, where if I was thinking this negative thing, which was a pattern that I kept thinking, then I realized, oh, that's all or nothing thinking. You recognize it for, anyway, long story short, very successful experience for me. It is cheaper than in-person therapy. I don't know how else to sell it to you guys. If you're thinking about that this is the year where uh, you want to, you know, crush it in 2024, uh, what are some of the things that you keep the same about yourself that maybe could be better? It's a time for goals. I know it's random. I know calendars are random, but why not use it as an opportunity to kind of jumpstart some change in your life? Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash Fitzdog today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Fitzdog and uh, make some change in your life. Okay, so here's an overheard or two. This comes from Bruce Wise, who's a friend of the show. Yesterday, he's sitting in the dentist's office having cracked a filling the day before, I hear a 50-ish old lady next to me talking on her phone, and she says, my hygienist is Carla. She's been my best friend since the eighth grade. He says, and I thought to myself, this is a difference between girls and guys. There's no way I'd let my best friend have me in such a vulnerable position. It's true. It's like, you know, the mouth open in front of somebody it's the worst part about going to the dentist. It is like, it's like pulling your ass cheeks apart. That is some tender flesh you're exposing. It's a lot of trust. I don't know about that. And especially, it kind of seems gay because if you're opening your mouth wide in front of a guy, maybe he's going to put his dick in your mouth. I mean, granted, you're in a dentist chair, but he can get a stool. He could. He, I mean, it's an, it's an opportunity. Guys see that as an opportunity, the open mouth. Maybe they're going to draw. If you're asleep, they're going to draw a dick on your face. If you're awake and your mouth's open, they're going to put it right in your mouth. So, no. I want a stranger to be my my dentist. All right, this one comes from Thomas. This one's not an overheard, and it's not funny, but it was heartwarming to me because he said, I got five years sober a couple days ago. Very, very happy about that. Turned my life around like you wouldn't believe I'm listening to the Happy New Year solo podcast this morning on my way to work. Uh, thankful for your podcast and your humor and perspective that you gave me early on in my recovery. We talked a while back about going out while, so yeah, this is a guy who I've, I've gone back and forth with about his sobriety. Tracked his sobriety since he first got sober, and then he reaches out once in a while to kind of update me. Um, he said, I can confidently say that it, it took years, but I'm finally comfortable with the whole process. It's not like I have confidence issues with the way I look or who I am, but it took a while to be comfortable around a bunch of people slowly drifting into the interesting, fun, pleasure realm while they, while I stay 100% sharp, always. Yeah, that's the thing is when you don't drink, everybody around you drinks and they get dumber and dumber and more emotional and false, false emotional. I don't buy it. I don't buy that my friend is all of a sudden hugging me and saying I love you. It's like, all right, then you're a liar. Either you're a liar because you never told me this when you were sober, or you're fucked up and you just say this shit to everybody. Either way, get me an Uber. I'm going home. So 
He says, I'm going out with my boys for steaks and cigars this weekend to celebrate the milestone. I wrote a speech and everything. Very proud of myself. Very glad to have someone like you I love listening to on a similar path. Uh, thanks from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I hope I didn't bore you to death. Much love, Thomas. So congratulations to Thomas. I just wanted to give him a shout out and say, stick with it, brother. It's, uh, it's That's a long time. Uh, five years is great. And you'll just, it'll just, I'm not going to say it gets easier and easier because it, it's challenging, but uh, you found it and I'm proud of you. So keep it up. Um, okay, let's get to it. The, my interview this week was with a guy who I'm uh, good buddies with. We've written on a lot of shows together and we've done a lot of stand up together over the years. And he's a really smart, interesting, funny comic and a good writer. And uh, you're going to love him. Please welcome Ian Edwards. Ian Edwards, welcome to the first podcast of 2024. <laughs> the check for a second. I had to update my software. Oh uh, uh, no! Right? <laughs> <laughs> what um, resolutions? You seem like a resolution guy. No, nah, not really. No. Yeah, I just keep on doing what I'm doing. You got it worked in. last year. I'm alive. Yep. So I was like, why not continue to do? That type of shit. Right. You know what I mean? I was already kind of going to the gym. I was already kind of eating right. And that covers like 50% of the resolutions that people make. Right. And so I'm going to just you know, keep doing that. I thought you were a workout in your own apartment guy. Yeah, I go between. I've done that. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic when everything was shut down. I've done that. Yeah. But then uh, I probably hurt myself more working out in my apartment than I did at the gym. What were you doing? Push-ups and sit-ups? Push-ups, yeah. I think burpees? I wore, wore my shoulder out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. And be like putting all that responsibilities on my shoulders. I got to mix it up. No, the shoulder is supposed to just be a, it's basically a glorified joint. It's not supposed mm -hmm. to be a major muscle. Right. You know, the bicep, the pec, mm -hmm. neck, my neck is fucked up. Oh, your neck's fucked up? Why? Uh, I used to play hockey and I was small. And so I used to check people with the top of my head instead of my shoulder. Damn. And one time I did it and I chipped the vertebrae in my, uh, in my neck. And so ever since then it catches like it's, it's, so it's basically, there's a sharp edge to the corner of one of my vertebrae right in here. And so sometimes like a tendon or a ligament will get caught on it. And then it just, it just locks up and it stays like that for like a week. And you can't get it out? Can't get it out. And it just slowly slips out? Yeah. How? No, the, the disc doesn't slip out. The ligament gets inflamed around it. Oh. How did the, what happened to the piece of bone, that chip? Floating around in there. <laughs> <laughs> the craziest thing is like at our age, like when you're young, most of your injuries just go away. Uh -huh. But then when you get to a certain age, you hurt something and you go, Oh yeah, I'll have this forever now. Right. I feel like when we're young, we just ignore, or we have the physical ability to ignore, like things without going to get them fixed. Right. And now, we're not even 
breaking anything <laughs> and you can't ignore shit that no. you didn't even break right right <laughs> and it, and so the thing is i'll go to the doctor and i have this huge deductible on my insurance mm -hmm. so i'll walk in and it's right out of the gate it's a couple hundred bucks and yeah. then 99 percent of the time they go just rest it you know it's my knee my just rest it okay glad i came in i like your doctor i, I, I like those type of uh prognosis yeah 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 Let's rest it. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it's uh, I'm getting I'm getting where um, the exercise has to be modulated. I used to work out hard mm -hmm. and now I just try to do maintain workouts. Right. Just, I'm not trying to build muscle. I'm trying to maintain bone density. Right. That's my that's my thing now. Otherwise, you shrink. You see this density girl? <laughs> you, see, you see these? <laughs> See this bone density? <laughs> See how much I haven't shrunk in the last yeah. three months? You yeah, used yeah. to flex your you used to flex your bicep, and now you're like, poke my thigh bone. Yeah, it's hard, it. isn't it? Yeah, hasn't shrunk. <laughs> um, so we got a new year and uh you got a new job. You were just telling me you're gonna be writing on a TV show. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the show? Uh, I don't, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to say, and I hate to be that person. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You don't want to jinx it or you think you're not supposed both. to announce the job? Both, and I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say, which is weird when I see people say that because I don't you want to promote the thing? Yeah. But our last, the, 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 when I got the job, it was before we were supposed to announce it uh -huh. because the strike was going on. Okay. So I didn't check to see if you could tell people. I only told you because I was like, I'm only available this week because I start Monday. Right. Yeah, yeah. So is your deal done? It's just going to be an extension of the deal from the last, from the first season. Okay. So I just got to sign the thing. I'm a great businessman. Right. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even ask those questions. I just assumed. <laughs> Dude, since the pandemic, every everything that's been offered to me, I'm like, they're halfway through pitching and i'm like i'm in i'll do it you know what i mean like there's like some desperation that's left over i never were you know i've been very lucky and mm -hmm. as you have and mm -hmm. you know we've lived the last 20 years without really thinking about you know going broke you've written on shows since your first writing job was in like the year 2000 uh -huh. and uh and you've worked as much as you want. You're the kind of guy I always like, you're writing on a show and you're like, nah, I left the show because I want to work on my stand-up for a while. It's like, people don't do that. That's a luxury to have those choices. I mean, I would kind of do that anyway, you know what I mean? Just because I need to push the stand-up as much as the writing. Right. You know, and I feel like even if I'm making less money doing stand-up, if I do it hard enough, I can make up that money right. at some point. Yeah. So I like I believe in the in the stand up like that, but like even now I want to shoot a special at the beginning of the year, but now that I'm going to be writing on the show, that's oh. not going to be possible. So I have to push the the preparation for it, the shooting of it, and the release of it to probably the end of the year. Whereas I would have just got on it at the beginning of the year, maybe shoot it in March or something. So why can't you shoot it over the summer? I could shoot it in the summer, but then I'd have to say I get out of this job in May. Yeah. I'd have to like, I'm going to meet with my agent tomorrow yeah. to set up some dates, but I'd have to like 
have like a month or so of shows to like yeah. tighten the whole. You got to get back in the gym to get yeah, yeah to like be doing that hour to be like be ready to like do right it. right. And it's a it's an old hour that's just been hanging over my head at, with yeah. with new stuff in it. Yeah. So I just need to flush it. Just you know, yeah, get rid of it. Yeah. Drop it. Right. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, you can't just do it. Like sometimes I see these people do specials and I know they're on fucking Saturday Night Live or whatever. And it's like all of a sudden they're doing a special. It's like, I haven't seen you in the clubs. How did you get an hour together? And you see the hour and you go, oh, yeah, you didn't give a shit. But audiences don't care. Like They don't. I see a lot of those people blow up, you know? Yep. Yep. You just, it's like an album. You just need one hit joke. That's true. And people... Are feeling that joke, right? They'll come see you based on that joke, right? You know what I mean? Look at, um, and not that she she's a road dog and she's putting her time, but that that woman who had the bit about getting her nails done. Uh, oh, back in the day, yeah, back in the day, like she, she that was her hit joke. That was it. But she built on it though. She yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like her. Yeah, Angela like Johnson. Her. Angela like Johnson. She, yeah, she's, she put in the work. She you know? she has, but yeah. I mean, it is an example of somebody who went from obscurity to like headlining big rooms very yeah. fast. From when you from when you needed like a TV set to like you got a hot bit that I launch you yeah and if you like yeah that you know things change yeah you ever get a hot bit what's the hottest bit you ever got on the internet I got a bunch of hot bits but I don't think I've ever uh of uh like like capitalized yeah. on them completely right you know what I mean right like there's been gaps in between because of the writing of like pursuing like the, like the shark bit was something that people remember i i got this bit that i did on conan about al sharpton not being a good leader uh-huh I yeah i remember that bit about uh about you know somebody spending 20 years in jail for a crime they didn't do and then when they got out they got a crime credit card <laughs> Because <laughs> they've already done the time. Yeah, last right, time right. Crime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch. I got It's like a guy who's been in a bad marriage for 20 years and he gets out and he just wants to fuck everything. And he can't. Yeah. He can't. Because he put up with a, a lot well, of Well, because shit. the women know that he was married for 20 years. So they go, oh, this guy's, he's he can commit. Yeah, he can commit. Yeah. They like that. Which is something important. Right, right. Yeah. And this guy committed to 20 years in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He did. T- he did it. He did time for some shit he didn't do. So right, right. How how else would you pay him back? Yeah. Let him commit crime for free. <laughs> <laughs> how do you think? I think about this sometimes, like because I, when I'm on the road, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I'm obsessed with watching MSNBC's Lockup. You know where they show life in prison. Mm-hmm. I used and, to do that. Scare, like scares the shit out of me. It scares the shit out of me, but it also I think it's kind of a metaphor for being on the road and like. You're trapped in a hotel room and you're just mm-hmm. you're just doing the time, you know, until the show. Naked and Afraid is my road hotel room show. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Do you get turned on by it or you just think it's interesting? Man, I just wonder why people don't bring bug spray. <laughs> That's all I think about. <laughs> you get to bring one thing. Yeah, sunblock bring and bug, bug spray. spray. Right. Like, I, I couldn't survive the bugs. Yeah, yeah. I'm out on that. I know. Yeah. And then there's snakes and there's, there's, there's bugs that'll crawl in your ear and live. That is. Yeah. Man, yeah. Man. So um, when I was working on this show, uh, what the fuck was it? Oh, it was um, 
Dana Carvey had a show. You didn't work on that, did you? First Impressions? No. No. No, but it was with Todd Yasui. That's why mm -hmm. I thought maybe you did. Um, so we had a studio and uh, our writing offices were next to the edit bays for Naked and Afraid. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing was, it wasn't blurred yet. Right. So you could see the people like squatting around the fire, uh -huh. but with their full genitalia <laughs> splayed out. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, they don't pick the hottest people for that. <laughs> you don't want to see that. I mean, some of them, some of them get hotter as they starve. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I do naked and afraid for the abs. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I don't think I'd last one night of bugs. <laughs> right, right. What do you? I'm on the keto diet. What are you doing? Naked and afraid. Mm -hmm. Um. So if you got, do you think you could make it in prison? Nah. Nope. Straight up. You ever been arrested? Nah. Really? No shit. How dare you? What's this? Really? No shit. I've been arrested like three or four times. I mean, that's 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 the privilege of a white guy. <laughs> you could just say that and just be out here <laughs> talking about, yeah, I don't haven't worried about making any money. <laughs> I've been arrested three or four times. I've been arrested once. I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting no job. <laughs> you get arrested once, you're going away for a while. Yeah, yeah. I get arrested once, my parents come down and bail me out, and I'm it's free. It's just Greg. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, we got a little cops. We got a little carried away. <laughs> yeah, and you run out of money, and you're like, there's nobody. I'm not getting the, the uh, Chuck Sklar is not calling me up for a job out of the blue. A, a friend of mine, uh, he, he was on parole once, so he had to go visit his parole officer. Yeah. So he asked me to come pick him up, uh -huh. and I, he gets in the car. As soon as he gets in the car, a bunch of parole officers surround the car and they're like, pull us over. And they're like, because you're not supposed to uh, consort with a known felon if you're on parole. So they are assuming I'm on parole too. So they're trying to like just because you're up black, his, hook up his parole. No, like, nah, bro. Really? Yeah, they, had to, they had to let him go. But they they try to violate you. Yeah. They try to get you back in there sometimes. It's they like, want you in prison somehow for whatever reason that they, they don't make it easy yeah, yeah right right so they had to just let us go i'm like you can't do shit to me yeah yeah i'm not on you i'm not on your records damn yeah you can't do shit to him either i'm just picking him up it's right homie. Yeah. right what was he in for he probably might have been drugs back then yeah and right. when weed was illegal and shit mm -hmm. yeah sometimes i'll ask the audience it's amazing i was in uh Milwaukee, Wisconsin mm -hmm. for New Year's Eve. And uh, Jesus Christ, these people, there's no hope in their eyes. Damn. They're, and, and I, so I would ask the audience, has anybody here ever been in jail? And fucking hands were going up left oh, and right. Shit. Cause they just, you know, they just get stir crazy and they start getting drunk and driving home and they hit shit and they take snowmobiles and they run into fucking mm -hmm. cars. Um, so uh yes this guy raised his hand and i go i go what were you in jail for and he said uh domestic violence like why would you say that he's sitting there with a girl now he hasn't learned his lesson obviously <laughs> <laughs> yeah what a way for her to find out yeah right mm -hmm. yeah i mean 
I think if I was in jail, I think I'd get through because I would like, I'd be the class clown. I'd be the prison clown and make people laugh. And then. I'd definitely try that. Yeah. You know, but who knows? Yeah. Because people in jail, a lot of people are emotional and sensitive. Like they overreacted. Yeah. So it's like, how do you know clowning somebody won't make them overreact again? Oh, no, no. You got to clown the guards behind their backs. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just roast the guards. Roast the guards. Yeah, and then maybe you do some sort of like, uh, you know, existential observation about man's isolation and loneliness. Do that in the yard. <laughs> You're completely prepared for prison, Greg. <laughs> I got my set ready. Your yeah. prison set ready. I got to start working on mine. But thanks for these directions to go in. Appreciate it. Meanwhile, I probably mm-hmm. like the, the biggest, meanest guy would be like, he'd be like, uh, hey, you. You're funny. Suck my dick. <laughs> no, no, you're supposed to protect me. I'm supposed to keep making you laugh and make your experience a bit. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Y'all gonna let him do this? Y'all was laughing five minutes ago. <laughs> That's like what's funny about that last scene in the Blues Brothers mm-hmm. when they're playing, they're playing their music in prison. Dale House Rock and everybody's dancing. They ended up in prison at the end of the movie. I can't remember this. Yeah, I mean, their whole goal was just to get the $10,000 to the state treasurer so they could save the orphanage. And they didn't care about getting arrested because Don Belushi had just gotten out anyway. He was, right. going, he was going back. Right. And so uh, they got to the treasurer's office and they paid. And then the building was, it's at the time, the most expensive movie ever made. Do you remember that, that fucking car chase? Yeah, kind of. I remember them driving and speeding. It was kind of like... Uh... What's that show that used to be on TV with the Confederate flag on the car? Oh, uh, Dukes of Hazzard. Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, but I, when I watched the Blues Brothers, I was like, this shit is whack. Yeah. I never really thought it was that good, but I know it was a classic that in Animal House. Yeah. Animal House, I did like more, but Blues Brothers, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my son felt like that, which is so strange to me because I, th- I think Blues Brothers is top, top three funniest movies of all time. Because of how you felt when you first watched it. I think I watched it past its yeah, prime, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right. I, that's why. Like, I, I didn't watch it, like, when it first came out. Yeah. Yeah. I just loved all the cameos. Ray Charles mm-hmm. and uh, Cab Calloway. Like, all these classical singers. Fucking, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? Uh, Aretha Franklin singing Respect oh, in the yeah. Diner. Mm-hmm. You know, the music alone. I went to see this show in uh, about two months ago. You know the Bourbon Room in Hollywood? Yeah. You ever perform there? Dope Room, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great room. Yeah. So they had this show one night where they, they showed the Blues Brothers on the on the, this huge screen, mm-hmm. but they had a 10-piece band. And mm-hmm. every time they got to a song, they turned on the volume on the, on the movie, kept showing it, but then the band played and like mm-hmm. sang like perfectly lip-synced oh, to what was on the screen. And everybody came dressed as the, the Blues Brothers. People danced. That's like a Rocky Horror picture right, show right, version right. of the Blues Brothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what it was. And uh, it was amazing. It was great. Uh, just one of the most quotable movies. What, what's your top three comedies of all time? Comedies? Uh, let me see. Something about Mary's one of them. Uh, some Eddie Murphy movies, like when Eddie Murphy, like, trading places. 
48 hours. 48 hours, you know. It's, now I'm going past three, but I just, I, I remember the first scary movie was hilarious. Uh-huh. I'm going to get you sucker. I saw it in a black movie theater in Queens. That's how you that, do it. That was like, that's like, <laughs> you know, you, you know, you just mentioned the Blues Brothers and the music and everybody dressed up. Yeah. Like, uh, going to see, like, a movie like that back then, like, I'm going to get you sucker in a regular black movie theater was the black Rocky horror. Right, Cause, right. Because everybody's going to participate uh-huh. and enjoy the movie. But that yeah. shit was funny as shit. You almost need to watch watch it with the camera mm-hmm. on the crowd watching the movie, like like Mystery Science Theater, mm-hmm. like like in a, in a, in a Harlem uh, movie theater watching Friday night. Yeah. Is it Friday night or Friday? Friday. 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 Yeah. Whatchamacallit, uh, like I always like, because I'm in the business and I want to see like the impact of something, you know, so whether the movie's good or bad. Yeah. Like I'm always like looking at the audience while I'm watching the movie. Right, right. You know, like there's some movies where people stay after for the credits. Yes. And, and they're not like, it, like people do that for Marvel movies. Yeah. But when it's not a Marvel movie and people doing that, that's when you know that shit hit. Right. Like, they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. They don't yeah. want this experience to be over. Yes, yes. I remember, I hate musicals, but I remember seeing Chicago in a movie theater. Yeah. And people acted like it was a live play. Uh-huh. That's how hard that shit slapped. Right, like, right. Like, people were like, some of the songs got a standing O. Uh-huh. Like, we're in the middle of the movie. This shit right, ain't over. Right, it's not the end. Right. And I'm like, damn, these yeah. musicals can... I haven't seen a musical do that. Yeah. So I got to respect musicals. I remember that. I think B.B. Uh, Newworth was in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, musicals are very powerful. You know, like um, there's that, that Maestro is out right now. And uh, mm-hmm. Burns, Bernstein, Leonard Bernstein. I saw that. Not but, in the movie theater, but at the crib. And, uh, I thought it was fucking horrible. You thought it was horrible? Well. Here's what got me. I, I, full disclosure, I watched 15 minutes and then I, I walked out of the room. I, my wife and his, her brother were watching. I don't like somebody smoking every frame of the movie. Just constant. And it's like an extre- extreme close-up. So mm-hmm. it's dangling from his mouth. He's exhaling through his nose uh-huh. and his mouth. It's just, it was too much. Right. Don't smoke that. I get it. You smoke. <laughs> and then also, I didn't like the... Yeah, see, we're gonna make a musical. That was that. That was the time, though. That's how they spoke. Did they? Yeah, yeah. Do you think they really did? What was it? The fifties or the sixties? No, I think it was like the forties. Yeah. So, from my historical recollection of Living Color sketches, there was a white woman on Living Color, and she used <laughs> to do talking that voice when she did sketches from that time, uh, from yeah, black yeah. and white. Yeah. But it. I didn't, I'm not crazy about it either. I'm not mad at it yeah. either. I felt like I didn't know he was like that. If you watch the whole movie, you'll uh-huh. see like, oh shit, this motherfucker. You, I had no idea. But I don't think they were, they, they stressed the complications in the movie. There was no like tra- traditional act one, act two, act three, yeah. where you got to, it starts and you, get this problem, you have to solve this problem. So I kind of did like, and was surprised that they didn't like try to like create some type of a, like a structure, a, 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 a typical structure 
with some type of thing that he kind of had to overcome. Right, like right. all the difficulties. Yeah, they they were some, but they were like just smoothed like butter on bread. Like yeah, my wife said that her issue is they tried to and biopics always get in trouble with trying to cover too much. Mm-hmm. They got to cover every aspect instead of a good biopic picks one moment. Mm-hmm. And they explore that and you get to know the person's life through that rather right. than trying to do their child and their fucking, you know, and he had such a full life. I think they wanted to get to it all. Right. But uh, yeah, it, it, then the structure goes out the window. Yeah. It made me feel like he was more of a regular person than I would have thought he was. Not that I even thought about him. Before. You didn't think about Leonard Bernstein a lot in your life? For some reason, it's crazy. No. <laughs> it's like Chris Kattan. Like, he's around, but I just don't think about him enough. Damn, bro. <laughs> um, it's so funny. Somebody put out a list of all the comedians that are touring right now. It's fucking crap. I'm talking about big comics. Damn. Mulaney selling out arenas and mm. Kreischer and Segura and Rogan and even like Pete Holmes, like Pete's out playing big places now. You want to tell you something funny? What? So I spoke to you yesterday. Yeah. I was at the Starbucks on Hillhurst. Yeah. I leave there, went to Lawson's and I'm in there online and I run into Pete Holmes. No shit. Yeah. And he, we start laughing. Yeah. And then, uh, which is a co- it's a all coincidence because I wrote on crashing, you wrote on crashing. Yeah. But the b- significance of Lawson's with me writing on crashing is like, I don't know if I ever told you this, but it was around Oscar time. So it was around the same time as th- th- when I got the job as this year, as now. Yeah. I was in Lawson's. I was going to watch- Lawson's? The one in, in Los Feliz. Is it a restaurant? No, I saw a supermarket. Oh, okay. So it's a supermarket. Yeah. And uh, I was in there. I was going to make popcorn and have some friends come over and check out some screeners. Yeah. This is a few years ago before the job on crashing. So I'm looking for salt and I bump into Pete Holmes. Uh-huh. Right? We start joking around. And uh, after we joke around, I go home, uh, make the popcorn. Everybody turns off their phones. We watch Moonlight, uh-huh. right? I think that's the movie we watched. And then everybody left, turned my phone back on, and I get a call from my manager saying, Judd wants to know if I'm available to write on Crash. Get out of here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So last, yesterday when I ran into <laughs> Pete there, he was like, he was like laughing. This is how you got the job on crash. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He didn't have a new job for you this time. Nah, nah. No. I was just, just, just disappointed. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. torn, selfish. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I was supposed to do a podcast with him last week, and he just postponed. I think he's he's shooting something. He's going to Canada or something for a few mm. months. Did he oh, tell okay. you anything about that? Nah, but he's always doing something. He just he did a sitcom like. That bowling one. The bowling one. Yeah, yeah. I think Hugh Moore was like a right now. It was a, a, a network show. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know how I got the crashing job? I was at this, I was at the store one night mm-hmm. and Judd was watching me. He was on before me and then he sat around and watched me. And then we walked outside and he goes, hey, you wouldn't be interested in writing on Pete Holmes' show, Crashing. And I was like, because I, I was there, I got there the second and third seasons. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, I think I got there when you got there. I got there the second season. Okay. I thought you was there this first season. No. All right. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah. And I started, started like a week later. Yeah. That's the thing about standup. I always feel bad for young writers that are like, hey, how do I get a writing job? Do, do I write a spec script? And I was like, no, nah, I just do standup for like 20 years and then it'll just come to you. Yeah. That's why I never, there was a time when I would have stopped doing standup. Yeah. Cause I was getting, I just came out here, I was getting writing jobs and you were just tired of doing standup a little bit. Yeah. But I was like, that's how I got writing jobs. Every writing job I've ever gotten was through standup. Right. I shouldn't say every, but I mean, I never wrote a spec script. Never? I don't think so. Yeah, shit. No. I did. Like I got, uh, the boondocks mm. from standup. Like Aaron Magruder saw me in the club, like whatever, Sunday night at the Laugh Factory or something. And, you know, when he got the the show going, hit me up. Nice. Is Carl Jones the head writer on that? Yeah, Carl was like an artist on that at first. No shit. And then he stuck around and then moved up. I I think that that was his first job. Damn. Yeah, but he was just always like in it. You know what I mean? He's a funny dude. Yeah, funny dude. Like, yeah. Even the way he told me, he got the job with Aaron Magruder. Like him and his wife were in town visiting. They were on Melrose. You know, he saw Aaron Magruder and sort of admired his work. And his wife was like, you should say something to him. And yeah. he did. Yeah. And Aaron hit him up. That's amazing. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. No, it is hard when I say, because I try to help young people. You know, I'm always like trying to mentor people. I try mm-hmm. to bring people on the road with me. I try to get people spots in town. And, um, and I just say to them, just fucking want it. If you want to succeed, just want it. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't think about it. Don't don't analyze it. Don't wonder if it's going to work. Just like be so excited about it that you go up to someone on Melrose, or you do, right, right. or you love comedy, so you do stand up or sketch, or you write, just put stuff out. Just like you know, like what you do. There's fucking hilarious videos that you do with uh, what's the guy's name? Paul. Yeah. Paul Alea, yeah. Like just do shit. Don't sit around wondering about it. Yeah, just do shit. Yeah. Yeah. Even uh, like Will Smith has this story about his first wife. They were married. He'd blown all the the money from like his albums. This really? Before the Fresh Prince. Yeah, he was broke. He made because, a lot of money. Yeah, but he forgot about taxes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So then he was like home and his wife was like, you got to go do something. He's like, what, what, what I got to do with it? Where should I go? And say, just go. Wait, hang. so he'd already done Fresh Prince at this point? No, this was before the oh, Fresh okay. Prince. So she told him to go hang out. She's like, where are people at? Yeah. Hanging out, like in the industry. And it's like, there's always, our senior hall show was on at that time. So she's like, just go over there and hang out and see what happened. And he ran into like his manager there. Uh-huh. I think, what's the name of that guy? He, he. He managed a lot of people. Oh, I know. Introduced them to Quincy Jones, and Quincy Jones gave him the show. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's just like he just went where it was at. Damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you see that at the store. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of comics hanging out at the store. Right. Uh, Which is cool, but the barrier doesn't seem to get, isn't there with them as much. Like when I was hanging out, Mm because I hung out, you know, when I was, I started in Boston and then when I came, I used to go down to New York 
for like two or three years. I right. split my week from New York and I'd make my money in Boston. Mm-hmm. And then I'd like Sunday through Wednesday, I would hang around the cellar and the strip and just get ignored by the bookers, but just fucking show up, hang out. Mm-hmm. But I never, wa- I wouldn't walk up to fucking Lewis Black and be like, uh, <laughs> hey man, I bet you do. Like now people just come right up to you. Right. And that's not helping your career. <laughs> I, I think it does help some people. Like we're we we're not that type. Like yeah. we waited till they spoke to us. Yeah. But uh I've seen people just I think comedy's like that thing that like like you said, you don't know how to tell somebody who's not a comic how to get a writing job. I yeah. wouldn't either. But it's easy if you're a comic or in the vicinity because now once you're a comic, even comics who are successful see you as like a part of the family yeah because you're going you've gone through or are going through some of the things that they've gone through right so then they they kind of accept your comics are open and they're also against you and open to you at the same time right so it's like you see like you could see some of yourself or they see some of themselves sometimes in somebody young that's starting out and yeah and then they'll start talking to them listen to their story uh-huh. whether you're a door guy you're just an open micer yeah and at least like i don't know how if you're an actor just starting out how you meet bigger actors that yeah. can help you right but if you're a comic you can meet bigger comics who might like you know what let me let this person open for me once or yeah. twice or yeah have them on my podcast like like there's i don't know how actors do that but i know how comedy can like you could be at the entry level but know somebody at the top right you know what i mean and they know your name right if you're an extra on a will smith movie you're not talking to will you'll be fired if you try to talk to will smith on a movie and they're and then the big people are surrounded by people that protect them they make a perimeter but except at the store yeah. Like nobody's coming there with their bodyguard. Nobody's right, like, right. and you're a comic. You can say hi. They can say hi back. Yeah. And you know, if you work a lot, you you're parking somebody's car, but you're a comic, so you're interacting with them. You do that a bunch of times. Yeah. You become familiar. Yeah. Or you work at the door, mm-hmm. or it's just you know. Because really, the thing, like the first step is trying to get stage time, any mm-hmm. shit stage time you can get, which right. is just really hustling and really putting yourself out there. But that only takes you so far. And the next level is exactly that. Somebody's got to give you a break. Someone's got to take you on the road because you're only going to get good when you start going on the road and doing five shows in a weekend where you get to do 15, 20 minutes in a row and Mm -hmm. get to know the room. And, and, you know, and then from there, you know, anything can happen Mm -hmm. at that point. You know, I mean, you look at Jetski Johnson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she, she's working at the store. She's a door woman. and then. She gets familiar with Bobby and Santino because they're there. Now she's on their podcast and like she has a name now. You know, now she's I mean? headlining clubs on her own. Yeah. Headlining clubs on her own. And it's just like comedy does that for yep. people. Yeah. You know, and people, comedy audiences are looking for the new what's next. Who's right. Next? It's just like, you know. I think I'm next. <laughs> I think I'm next. <laughs> I think every comedian, if you don't believe that you're next, even if you've been around, mm-hmm. then you're then you should you should stop doing stand up. You right. have to believe that around the corner mm-hmm. there's some pop that's coming for you. Yeah. So have you, have you made it as a comic as much as you wanted to as a comic? I, I don't think I have. I haven't. But 
also that keeps me as funny as I want to be. It helps me heading in the direction of right. trying to be funnier. Right. Like I worry about making it and people thinking I'm funny and then not knowing if I'm funny or not because they might be laughing because they're just excited that I'm there yeah. to perform. Right, right. And I'm just getting laughs based on the momentum of who I've built myself right. up to be. Right. And comedy's so hard, you want a joke to be funny. Uh-huh. And sometimes you have to work to make a joke funny. Who wants to keep doing that work? Right. You know what I mean? So I worry about like when I get there, will I still be funny? So I'm I'm kinda half happy that I'm not where I want to be, like com- comedy status wise. Yeah. Cause I think maybe the most important to me is like being funny. Yeah. And I don't know if everybody can tell if their levels of funny is dropping off or not. And I might I might not be able to to be able to tell. So I'm afraid of actually, in a sense, getting there. But it would be great if I got there and I still was like hard on myself in a way that was helpful to keep the funny. Yeah, I'm always impressed with people like Bill Burr, Burr. who just still grinds. Yes. He's always got new shit. Like I saw him the other night and I was like, what the fuck are you so happy about? He's like, yeah. oh man, I got these three new bits that fucking pop tonight. And like, that's it. It's the only way to cheat on your wife. <laughs> it is. That's right. It's that's the right. only way you yeah. can legally cheat on your yeah. wife. Like. Like the only thing that's made me happier than money or just anything, or like you could be having the worst day. If you have a new joke that works, yep. that pops and give you some hope, yeah. Um, like nobody can take that away from you. Right. You know, audience laughed at a new thought you have, you still mm-hmm. got it. Yeah. And it's just this just something that's not tangible that the rest of the world doesn't have that we as comics, we got that shit. Yeah, it's a confirmation that what like because if you're doing the same shit. Because, you know, I've gotten to ruts where I don't have much to yeah. do stuff for a while. And I can be on the road and I'm doing my set and I just, and I'm just in the middle of it going, man, you're fucking mailing it in. Yeah. And I start to wonder if I'm even funny. Mm-hmm. And then you do that new bit and you go, oh, yeah, like you said, yeah, I am funny. Yeah. Like, and I think you're right about being hungry. When you're still hungry for it, then like my New Year's resolution is to write for an hour a day. Yeah. Every day I write stand up for an hour because... Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a lot of time if you think about it. It's One not. hour out of your day, mm-hmm. but you know what that hour means. Yeah. You know, you might go through your notes and see a bit that you had done two years ago that you forgot about mm-hmm. and it didn't it did you didn't crack it the right. first time. You didn't figure it out, but you still got that premise. Right. And now you look at it again and you go, Oh no, here's the way it should go. Right. Or you didn't know you cracked it. You thought you didn't, you look at it again with fresh eyes and you're like, wait a minute, this is good enough. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Excuse me, but yeah, like writing an hour a day is actually enough. It feels like it's not enough time, but I always felt like if you had one new tag a day, yeah, or one new joke a day, it's three hundred and sixty-five days in a year. Yeah, that's three hundred and sixty-five minutes, right, of funny, sh- new funny shit, dude. One like just, that's that's achievable. One minute a week is a new hour special in a year. That's yeah. f- that's fifty-two minutes. That's fifty-two minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, when you come up with a new bit that's really got some meat on it, that could be five minutes yeah. right there. And you can come up with that. And that, those are the kind of bits that usually happen. I kind of had this epiphany about writing recently, which is I can only draw the lines mm-hmm. when I sit down and write. 
in my in my house or my office. I just I can I can do the outline, right. but I got to color it in on stage. Mm-hmm. That and that's when you realize how much how many beats there are to it because mm-hmm. you get you get that first hit and they like it and you're like, all right, I got them on the hook. Mm-hmm. Now how much can I push myself and how much you get greedy for that laugh? Right, right. And so in that moment. All your creativity is just flooding your brain because right. you you're you're fucking you know you're, you're so hungry to get get more out of this bit. Right. That's why I tape every set because yeah, you I never know when set. that's going to happen. And I listen to them too, like on the way, at least on the way to the show. Like that's I haven't I been writing like you like an, an hour a day, but I think now that I started this job, when I start on Monday, the job I wasn't going to take the job because they want you to come in, and we've been doing it on Zoom. So are you serious? Yeah, man. I turned down a job <laughs> that wasn't on Zoom before this. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. I, I turned it down. They wanted us to come in. And I was like, why can't we just do it on Zoom? Uh-huh. And I was like using the pandemic and COVID to my advantage. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody took COVID more seriously than you did. You were wearing the mask when everybody else stopped. Yeah. I mean, but, but I wasn't even worried about COVID then. You know what I mean? I was just used as an excuse to get out of it with my agents and with the the person who interviewed me yeah. for the job. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going in another room. Like we could just do it easily at home, avoid traffic. And yeah. so then this one, the first season I did was on Zoom. Uh-huh. So I took the job and now they want to meet. And I was like, and you know, the EP lives on the West side. So, yeah. you know, it's just like, in, in my head, I'm like an hour there in the morning and an hour black back plus from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. How am I going to do stand up? Add those two hours onto that. That's like, yeah, that's like I'm going to. But I oh the jobs on the west side. Well, that's what I thought. Oh, because that's where the EP lives. Yeah. And normally the room that you write in is where near where right. the EP lives. But luckily, so I, I had to meditate on that shit. Yeah. And I took the job. I was like, it's from January to May. After that, you you can do stand up for the rest of the get year. Get your health insurance. Get health insurance and, you know, take care of yourself financially. Yeah. And I was like, all right. You know, because the plan was to like put out a special and, you know, like and and pursue the stand up. But then luckily the room ended up being near my crib. Nice. So those two hours that I was worried about. So now I can the point is now I can get up early enough to write for an hour uh-huh. because you just inspired me to do that before I go to work yeah. or get to work early right. and do it there and then walk into the office. But don't you miss being around people? I love, I love I, the I, I saw him on Zoom. And... We joked and we had fun on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same. Nothing is the same. I don't have, you don't have to be. Like, it's modern technology. Let's, let's grow up. <laughs> Nothing stays the same. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, look, what about all the fun you had with the people you started comedy with? Right. You know what I mean? And then you got married and had a family. You don't look at those people no more. Yeah. You, you got a new set of people. Shit, yeah. shit changes. Shit changes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to look at you it. Know? Yeah. Um, I was going to say, if you, one of the things that really helps me writing an hour a day is this thing called the Pomodoro technique. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. I met this uh, Gen Z person and uh, we used to write. We just became friends at Starbucks. Yeah. And she would do that. Yeah. And she's like, like 25 minutes. Yes, 25 minutes. 
and then you don't answer your phone, you don't look at your text, you don't do anything mm -hmm. except the task at hand, whether it's writing or reading or whatever it is that you're doing. And then, and I have an app on my phone, it's a right. Pomodoro app, and after 25 minutes, it, it buzzes, and then you hit the button and you get five minutes to clean your desk, to mm -hmm. deal with emails that came in, or mm -hmm. go fucking take a walk, go eat, go eat a snack, whatever, mm -hmm. and then it rings and you do another 25. So I do two, two Pomodoro, 25 minutes. And it's like, there's something that's so restive mm -hmm. about being singularly focused as, right. as opposed to the way our brains now are like constantly barraged with distraction. You know, you're mm -hmm. expected, like when you showed up here today, mm -hmm. like you texted me and my phone was off and you were like, what the fuck, man, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, you're expected within a second to be available, even though you might be engrossed in something creative or even a conversation with somebody that they're opening up to you about something and all of a sudden your phone's fucking ringing and you get, even if you don't answer it, you're still, you're thinking about it now, you know? And uh, so there's something about turning off your phone and doing the Pomodoro that's like, I'm not tired after it like I am usually. I feel like that would have helped me like earlier on. Yeah. But when I go to a coffee shop now, I'm there to like get some work done. Yeah. And I think after the pandemic, I've matured. It's not like I've been this way a long time. Yeah. Just since 2020, where I just go to the coffee shop and I just do whatever I got to do. And I like the distractions that make it feel like I'm not working, but I do get work done. I like to look up at people, observe, yeah. you know, you know, how people are dressed. Somebody got a nice ass, you know, <laughs> if, even if a guy's dressed nice, oh, some good car, car, great sneakers. And you I, say I, that to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And then I just, I just go back to work. You know, uh -huh. sometimes I'll even stray on the internet, but I'll come back. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it, but I'm there to like get some shit done. Right. You know what I mean? That's the way you're getting out of your house. So it's and, a, okay. and it's like a signal to you that now you're focused on work. Yeah, it's called the office. Right. It's called, literally called the Starbucks. Like my my friends would hit me up. You at the office? I said, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then we could hear it in the background. <laughs> you know, I talked to you on the phone yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I thought yesterday. you were at the mall. I was at the office. I was editing the clip that I put out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's always weird, though, when, when you're editing in a public place and people are like, look at this guy looking at himself on yeah, his computer. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, are you looking at my computer for you nosy motherfucker? Mind <laughs> your fucking business. I was looking at your shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I lost my all. You, you've been in my office a few times, I think, mm -hmm. doing the podcast. And uh, that was my during. The, I, I had it for 13 years. Damn. But sorry to hear that, fam. It's got to be, you know. Dude, it it's fucking me up. Because right. I used to, because I left my work at the office. Like I, when I was home, mm -hmm. I was with my family. I was chilling with my wife, throwing a move on her, getting shut down, <laughs> watching some TV. Get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> and then I go to my office and it was like, I had my coffee maker, my mini fridge, my you ever pay, speaker. I'm sorry, you ever pay your wife to have sex? I ever pay her? No, but I have exchanged blowjobs for tasks. For tasks. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. a form of payment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could also pay her by, pay her for sex with no sex. 
I'll do you a favor and not hit on you. Oh, yeah, yeah, I won't hit on you yeah, 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 for yeah. this amount of time if you if you hook me up now. You, you can negotiate the term. Right, right, right. If yeah. I can buy a Mustang, you'll be in the sexual bubble for three months. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I. There's also paying up front. Paying up front for sex, which is you bring a gift or you do something without being asked. Oh, that's hilarious. And then you throw the move. <laughs> right, and the right. other one is when she says, if you, then I. Right. But, you know, I was thinking there's also like blowjobs just don't happen in a marriage the way they do when you're single. Right. Because when you're single, you're still auditioning for the part. Yeah, exactly. Bit. And then once you're married, it's like a blowjob. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> like I'm not involved. Like I'm just servicing you. Like uh -huh. we don't have time for that shit. We gotta both. <laughs> we gotta both be doing it. unless <laughs> unless you have like yeah. If you have a list, there there's blowjob worthy tasks. Right. That what's are what's a blowjob worthy task? Um, cleaning clutter. Like you know, we, we got our we got a back house and right. there's shit back there that's piled up. We got two crates like giant hubs filled with mm -hmm. pictures and they need to be put weeded out and put into photo albums bro you're a sex slave yes <laughs> <laughs> she keeps me in a closet yeah <laughs> you got to work for sex but we all are that's how it, yeah. that's how it ends up right yeah. right it's an exchange it's, an it's exchange. always an exchange yeah this guy that uh featured for me mm -hmm. this past weekend I bring him on the road with me a lot. I'll mm -hmm. tell you his name when we're off the air. And this guy's a player. Like he gets mm -hmm. on Tinder every city we get to, and he's got different women coming to every show. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he brings it. He brings a date to this uh, to this show, mm -hmm. and uh, and we, we get off. I get off the elevator on my floor, mm -hmm. and I go, oh, "That's my room right there." And they go, "Oh, that's weird. We're we're one floor above you, same room." Mm -hmm. Twenty minutes later. Creak, 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 creak. And I'm like, oh fuck, man, they're going. Forty minutes later, creak, Damn. creak, and not not creak, creak, like creak, 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 like going. If he was a real comic, he would have been fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been like, let's both. No, he's a comic because the first thing he said when we got in the green room with the girl there was, mm -hmm. "We didn't bother you today, did we?" And I was, <laughs> and I just started laughing. I was like, dude, what? I would have been like, I didn't off? hear nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 what, what would you say? No, I didn't hear nothing. <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you rubbing it in my face? Because that's not married sex. That that mm -hmm. 40 minute friend. And it kept going all weekend. That's, we may never see each other again. Sex. Right. We just met and we may never see each other again. Sex. So let's get as much of this in. Yeah. Because you live somewhere. I live somewhere. Fuck yeah. it. Let's, right. let's, let's go for it. And it's also a younger, it's younger sex. Right. Like my number, mm -hmm. I remember with my wife when we first started, you know, we were both 29 mm -hmm. and 50 minutes was my number. 50 minutes. I'd look at the digital clock. Yeah. I wasn't, I didn't That's plan That's so funny. It. Yeah. You didn't plan it, but we've looked at the stop. We've all looked at the clock. Like, yeah. Can I go, how much further can I, yeah. can I take this further? Can I right. break my record? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. But I mean, 50 minutes was standard. That was just like, yeah, yeah. That's you good. know, working through the different. You know, like what do they call it with the quarterback when he's looking for the different options? The Audible progression, progression, progression. Yeah, is yeah. you look at the wide receiver first, <laughs> then you look at the tight end, then you, uh, and, and so I go through the progression. You know, <laughs> work all, right. all the moves. 
And Dean DeRay has a funny joke about like new couples, don't fuck too much. Don't use up all your fucks. Yeah. Because then you'll be bored later on. Right. And I've done that. I yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I recognized, I related to that yeah. as soon as he said it. And I was like, why didn't I think of that as a joke? Yeah. I was like, yeah, man, don't, don't give up all your fucks. Like, yeah. don't fuck so much that <laughs> you're not, you know, that either, either both of you or one of you, like, yeah, we did it all. I don't yeah, 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 yeah. Save some of those fucks. Right. Save anal. <laughs> I'm saving anal for like our 50th anniversary. <laughs> and then I'll be like, I'll be back there and I'll do it. And she'll be like, finally. Then you'll finally be married. Yeah. <laughs> right now your wife is single, bro. You haven't done it. <laughs> She's a virgin. She's a virgin, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, mm -hmm. It is, it, there is, it is transactional. Sex is transactional. Yeah, because yeah. even relationship is a game or it's still dating. Yeah. It's just a different stage of it. Right. Of dating. Like, uh, you, you have to like, I like your relationship. I love it. Like, it's like, in, even in the writer's room and crashing, the way you talk about your wife and your kids, like, it's like one of the dream relationships. Yeah. And, oh, thanks, man. It's nice to hear. No, but it's, it's real talk. Like, and, uh, like, it's just like, it, it, you, you should write a book on it. Yeah. Cause it's, it's the way to conduct a relationship. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I got lucky. I really did. Mm -hmm. Like I, I found a woman who I think with standups, it's hard because maybe you experience this where you date somebody mm -hmm. and they meet you in a comedy club. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Right. I go away on the weekend, every other weekend or so. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're dating for six months and they're like, you're going away again? And it's mm -hmm. like, no, you can't ever say that. Right. And I sort of found somebody who just from the beginning understood. She what met I you did. as a stripper and she knows you're a stripper and <laughs> she never like told you to stop right. stripping. Yeah. yeah. Why do you have glitter on? Because I'm a stripper. stripper. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's, it's very hard to find somebody like, have you ever found somebody that would, that was like, cool with it that with, with you doing stand-up probably dating? but like i'm such a single guy yeah. like last night i stayed home and watched like eight episodes of a show yeah and i could have like hung out with somebody like i had to do it because it was work yeah it's the show i'm going back to oh, so i just okay. but i i could have i didn't know what she was doing i could have valued her over but i just was like why am i so content you know so I don't know. It's just, that's just me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But like, I, I feel like I, I didn't mess up every relationship that I was in, but I probably didn't mind it ending. Yeah. You know? Right. That's just who I am. Yeah. 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 It seems like you treat women with respect and so they don't go away. It seems like you're friends with women that you date. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, but then you've never, you never been married. Have you ever mm -hmm. lived with somebody? Nah. Yeah. I've had like girlfriends that came over a lot. You yeah. Know? And we hung out like days in a row and shit like that. But, but there was never a tooth. There was never a toothbrush in the bathroom. They might have had that. Yeah. 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 The toothbrush. The toothbrush. Yeah. That's a big sign. Yeah. I remember those days with my wife. The toothbrush and mm -hmm. a couple pairs of panties. You know. And it's kind of nice because you're playing house a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's practice. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Yeah. I had a, I lived with one other person. Mm-hmm. And I remember my mother was so upset because I grew up so Catholic. Right. And my mother was so upset that we were living together. And, she's, and she didn't like this girl. Mm-hmm. But even though she didn't like her, she goes, well, are you going to marry her? And I was like, you don't want me to marry her. You just don't want me to be living with somebody because you got to tell your sisters and brothers right, right. who are more Catholic than you are. You know, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and thank God I didn't marry her. That was a that was a weird, loaded relationship. Right. And uh, I never thought I was going to get married. I really, oh, yeah? no way. I never thought I'd get married, but I wanted kids, mm. and so I didn't know how that was going to work. Hilarious. Yeah, I really. Um, I saw marriage as this thing where, first of all, I didn't think I'd be able to not cheat, you know, because on my ex- That's what I'm worried about. Yeah. And, you know, but then I, I quit drinking mm-hmm. and I realized that was a big part of it. I was, I would cheat when I was drunk. Oh, I don't drink. And I still <laughs> think I'll cheat. <laughs> what do I have to quit? <laughs> cheating besides cheating to help me stop cheating. Not that you know, I cheat, but I just don't commit. So I don't cheat. Right, right, right. <laughs> No, but I realized like when I quit drinking, like I haven't drank in, it was two days ago, it was 34 years since Damn. I had a drink. Yeah, I quit in 1990 on New Year's Day. Damn. And so I realized not I had- not even Irish this, anymore. I'm not. I know my, <laughs> believe me, my relatives look down on me. They're like, what the fuck? You didn't drink as much as I do. And I'm like, yeah, well, you should quit too. <laughs> but I realized that if I could quit drinking and not cheat, oh. that I had the discipline to do it. So. We dated oh. for three years and I, and I, uh, and I didn't cheat. And meanwhile, I was hosting a game show on MTV. Like I'd go do college shows and kids would fucking go crazy. Mm-hmm. And I, I had all these opportunities and I just, and I realized if I could get through that. Oh, shit. And so, uh, yeah, so I, that's, I think that was the main thing that was making me not want to get married. Um, yeah. So that would probably, that's the, I think that's my main thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Did your parents split up when you were young? No. Together still? I mean, my dad's dead. So, but they're, they're, so they're not together anymore? They're not together anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he got out of it. <laughs> She's like, you really can't commit. I mean, this is going a long way to not committing. <laughs> How long ago did he die? I feel like I lost. Like, I don't, like, remember the day yeah. and go back and make Facebook or whatever post got to be over like it's definitely over nine years yeah easily right maybe 20 shit who knows <laughs> it's in the past greg it happened you know what i mean you live in the moment man it's you live beautiful. in the moment yeah, yeah. i'm here you, never look back yeah yeah i don't even have a dad here <laughs> um were you close to your dad yeah we got close after i left Mm. I don't know if I told you this, but my mother used to get the New Yorker. Uh-huh. She used to work for these rich people, so she'd bring home the New Yorker. And I was living in LA at the time, but I'd go back to Long Island to visit. And then one of the New Yorkers, you ever have a tough time talking to your dad, having a conversation? Of course. Like we, we, we weren't like affectionate. We weren't mean or anything. Yeah. We hung, be in the same space, but not really talk. Yeah. Uh, he did like the Knicks, and we both would talk about that. But then what else do you talk to? Because back then, adults were adults and, yeah. and kids were kids. It's not right. like now where people are more friendly with their, you know, their parents, you know? Yeah. So, you know, this is the person that used to whoop your ass. You right. Know, you know? Right. 
So we're going to talk about, you know? Uh So in this New Yorker article, this guy that wrote the article, he had a tough time coming up with conversations with his grandfather. Uh And he's like, what do I talk to this person about? There's this generation gap in there and we're different, but I'm supposed to be able to communicate with him. But then he realized the grandfather was a connection to his grandfather's father and his grandfather's grandfather and like the connection to the story of his family's life. Right. So then he would just ask his grandfather about his life and growing up in the past and learn all these things. So then after I read that article, then I would just ask my father about like growing up in Jamaica, you know, in the 60s, 50s, 40s, whatever, and just life and, you know, his brothers, and he just tell me everything. Wow. So then we just kicked it like that. That's nice. Yeah. Wow. And how old were you at that point? Shit, like 30 something. Do you remember all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even my email address is, my father used to have a sound system with his brother, and they used to call it Waddle Sound. Uh huh. So that's my, and that's, that's the name of the, they used to go out and play, like basically DJ. Yeah. You know, and that's my email. Well, like, you're going to get a lot of emails from my fans now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just got to figure out if it's Gmail or. Uh-huh. They'll <laughs> never guess Hotmail. <laughs> <laughs> you're the kind of guy that's still on Hotmail or AOL. It's AOL, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, For life. So what was life like for him in Jamaica? It was just like, like I found out like the order of like him meeting my mom. They mm-hmm. knew each other in Jamaica, but then he moved to England independently and he met her there and they got into a relationship. You mean there. they knew each other in Jamaica, but then they, they both separately went to England. Right. And then re- reunited there. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like finding out the order of that stuff and uh-huh. just like, like he went away to school to learn like you know electronics and stuff like that. He went to a boarding school and they had to pay and just working and Jamaica had no electricity back then, like not everywhere. Yeah. So just like that type of a lifestyle and So he went to a boarding school in Jamaica. It wasn't really a board school, like a trade school, but it right. wasn't like it wasn't one close to him, so he had to go to that. And I think it, my father's brother went to that too. Mm-hmm. So then he, you know, and just like how spread out everything was. Right. You know, it's not as like, what's the word, fluent as it is now, like yeah. it's, or easy. Like you can't Zoom, you right, know what I mean? You right. gotta go somewhere to somewhere else to learn something or do something and then come back months later. Yeah, you know what right, I mean? like, right. You know, learn about that life. And there was no fucking highways back then. It was all just like roads. It was just, it was just a one-way street that both cars yeah. drove on both ways. <laughs> I was in Ireland this summer. It's still like that. It's yeah. like, you know, they just put highways into Ireland in the last like 10 years. It used to just mm. be fucking roads. Damn. So, and then what was your mother's background? She she, she wasn't as open. As oh. She's like, what are you asking me all these questions oh, for? Oh, no shit. She acted like I was wearing a wire. Yeah. <laughs> She's patting you down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my dad was more open to her. So then I didn't yeah. ask her, but we just talk about regular stuff. We'll find uh-huh. something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me and my mom, like, my dad died like 30 years ago, and we, we never Show talked off. about it. I know. <laughs> it was fucking, I'll tell you the date, too. Damn. Can I tell you? June 3rd, 
1993. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was 30 years this year. We never talked about his death. He had a sudden heart attack. They were out to dinner. Mm -hmm. He was 53 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was there. She watched it happen. And she waited for the ambulance and, you know, and the whole thing. And, like, it was very traumatic for her, obviously. She was very in love with him. You know, mm -hmm. they had a kind of a beautiful marriage. And uh, we never talked about the real feelings about what happened that yeah. night. And then on the 30th anniversary, or I, I, I went down and visited her. Mm -hmm. A couple months before the 30th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And we watched an episode. Uh, do you watch Succession? No, I'm supposed to. I will, though. Well, there's sure. a scene where I won't spoil it for you, mm -hmm. but there's a scene where somebody dies. And it was very similar to the circumstances of my mm -hmm. father. Sure. And we both started crying. I mean, I was crying hard. Damn. It was so exact. And it opened us both up and we talked for two hours oh, about the details of that night. And it was like, I mean, it, we needed that TV show to happen to open us up. Right. And it's just fate Old that school. it happened at that time. Old yeah. school. It's fate that it happened at that time or didn't happen. It's fucked up fate that it didn't happen sooner right. on a show right. that you were both was watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty touching. Uh, I was going to say something related to that, but I can't remember what it is. Well, it, it's, uh, it is weird because when somebody dies, there's so much, you protect yourself so much that you shut down your feelings and your thoughts and you don't communicate. I do that when just, people are alive. Yeah. 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 You just try to get past shit, yeah. you know? And, uh, it is amazing when you see like men, especially, I don't know why men shut down more than women. Because we're kind of raised that way. Yeah. You know, you, you see it in movies, like the way you're supposed to be as a man. Right. Like, I hear a lot of women, a lot of feminists saying, women are told this and women are told that. And that's like, hey, I hear you. You were told that. But we were told shit, too. Right. That ain't healthy for us either. Right. It's not like this one-way street of just the world just telling women the wrong thing. Yeah. Everybody's being told the wrong thing. Yeah. And we're all being like programmed to be a certain way that's probably not as healthy. It's like, there's, it feels like almost like there's this race to be the most downtrodden and to be the, the victim. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's like, hey man, like, you know, shit. Shit happens to everybody. Like, yeah. we, we hold our emotions in. And even if we open up, we might get shit on for that. Yeah, right. You know? Right. And I think that, I guess, biologically, you know, men had to be tougher because they were warriors or they were yeah. hunters. But that shit's over. Like, there's no biological need for us to be as shut down as we are. But it just continues on because your parents teach. I mean, my father definitely mm -hmm. taught me to be tough and not, yeah. you know. Did you get along emotions. with him? Did y'all kick it? We were close. Yeah. yeah but he I also, felt. like your dad, like he used to beat the shit out of me too, mm -hmm. which was very weird to be close to somebody mm -hmm. and trust somebody. And then all of a sudden they're, they are trying to physically hurt you. Right. But he would beat me because I did something wrong or he thought I did something wrong. Yeah. Which I felt like, I never felt like it was abuse or maybe that's wrong, but it made me like no wrong from right. Like if I'm not getting hit, for doing something right yeah then i'll just do something right it's not like yeah I, I did feel like i was like damn damn at one point like when are these beatings gonna stop yeah and then it did just stop 
Uh-huh. But, you know, it's like, you're a kid, you're going to fuck up. You know what I mean? Right. But they're also doing it to protect themselves from you doing anything wrong on the outside, uh-huh. beyond their control. Right. And then somebody doing this to you in a worse way. Right. And they have to hear this news of, like, a lot of things parents do is for themselves. Like, your mom saying, are you going to marry this girl, which you know you shouldn't marry, and she knows you shouldn't marry, but of how it looks right. to, to the people, family. to her, you know, yeah. how she looks, you know what I right, mean? So right. a lot of parents are concerned subconsciously about, like, themselves. Like, they want their, they want you to be safe so that they can feel safe, that you're safe. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, the family protects itself and its mm-hmm. members. It's like you're that's your you're a team. Right. And you're supposed to be, you know, watching out for each other. But I don't know. I'm not with you on that. I, I think mm-hmm. that there's other ways of no, changing behavior in a kid than than beating them. Yeah, probably. But like you 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 how did you raise your kids? That's what I'm saying. You should write a book on this shit, man. Yeah, I think my wife really took the lead. We we had a, we, we got very lucky. We went to a preschool where they mm-hmm. they were very into um, letting kids make choices for themselves mm-hmm. and not saying like the, the the school had different stations. They had the art station and they had the play station and they had mm-hmm. the playground area. And the kids in the morning signed up for what they want to do in the first half of the day and the second half of the day. Mm-hmm. We're constantly giving, giving them agency to make choices for themselves. Right. And, uh, and it kind of set the tone for letting them guide themselves right. and hearing their emotions and not um, overpraising. Mm-hmm. Overpraising right. is fucking horrible for yeah. kids. Yeah, it is. Johnny, you're so, you're so great. Like, you know, sports games where all the parents are fucking over cheering on the side. It's like, let your kid score a goal and feel good about it himself. Mm-hmm. Don't put it in his ear. That he needs your approval. Right, right. Yeah, or she. Yeah. So I think we avoided a lot of that and let them guide themselves. And I think they've become independent people because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the, at the times that I wanted to hit them, sometimes I had to step away mm. because it was I was built to hit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You was built, built, built to beat ass. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And... You know, and I've been in a lot of fights in my life. I, mm-hmm. I go to that place. And so I, I, with my kids, there was not a lot, but there was two or three times where I had to leave the room. And, Which uh, ain't a lot. No, no. Yeah. But um, no, I think when they, when they got in trouble, it was really about having a conversation about it once it calmed down. Mm-hmm. And consequences, consistent consequences. Oh, but right. I was, what was a consequence in your crib? You know, like they couldn't, they couldn't watch TV mm-hmm. or, um, you know, sometimes we'd, we'd like, uh, you know, he, they had friends in the neighborhood and they wouldn't be able to hang out with the friends for a little while. But right. it wasn't as much negative. Like, we weren't big believers in, in hard consequences. It mm-hmm. was more of having a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe the conversation was a consequence. Like, damn, I got to go talk yeah, to my dad. Oh, <laughs> for, my, for my daughter, it definitely was. Right. She actually told us that it really fucked her up when we would say, Jojo, come into the living room. <laughs> she said that that was the worst feeling in the world, that she wanted to avoid it. She try try her grandfather's belt. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I think kids know they know right from wrong for the most part. I think we we sell them short a lot. Yeah, yeah. But well, they know more than we 
Like, I remember I was in England a while ago, and I ran into this girl in town. I knew her from before. We never hooked up, but she invited me over that night. So I went over there. She had a son, and the, the kid couldn't read or write. He could talk a little bit, but he would not go to bed that night. Yeah. Because he did not want something to happen between me and his mom. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Like sexually. Like, uh huh. But a kid that doesn't know that much. Knew, he was how old? Like, that. like seven? Maybe, maybe four or five. Okay. Yeah. Where he's like, he's, damn. He's, he's, he's like, you ain't fucking my mom. He could tell how you were looking at her. Yeah. He could, like, he's like, I don't know what sex is, but y'all ain't having it. <laughs> Not tonight. I'm up all night. <laughs> she kept having to leave to go into his room and attend to him. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it's like, kids know shit. Yeah, yeah. Without knowing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah kids know a lot. And, mm -hmm. um, and also it was about positive reinforcement instead of negative, like when they did something right. Mm -hmm. Not praising them, but, but uh, mirroring it and saying, you built that. Right. You do you built that by yourself. How does that make you feel? Feel good. Right. Let them I, know about their own feelings. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's a good like self confidence thing. Right. Yeah. Um All right, so let's get to um as you know, we always do fastballs with fits. Mm -hmm. Did it before, right? think so. What'd you think of the Beckham series, by the way? Did you watch that? Yeah, I watched it. I love it. Because you're a Manchester United guy. Yeah. I love it and it's good that like People that were used to make fun of you for watching soccer yeah. watched it too, yeah, 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 and asked you about it and bring that shit up. You're right, you know right. what I mean? Because soccer is such an outside sport in America, yeah, for decades. To like that or the Wrexham documentary, or just like like just anything where my home sport, which is soccer, because I've lived in three different countries and grew up in three different countries and that was my home in all those different right. countries you know what i mean like yeah. if i could find a group that could play soccer then it'll kind of ground me until i got to know the lay of the land and everything that's cool you know what i mean so yeah. it's good to to know that people like hey man you watch the beckham documentary yeah you know yeah that's cool yeah yeah i i had no idea like i knew about beckham but i i like a lot of people i just knew about his celebrity i didn't mm -hmm. know about his his prowess on the soccer pitch. Yeah, he was nice. He was nice. Yeah. yeah. And he was really like, uh, you know, that first goal that he scored when he kicked it like from the from the midfield mm -hmm. and he put it in like, like there was moments that, I mean, propelled him into being a real icon. Yeah. And, you know, Manchester United trading him was fucking crazy. Yeah, I remember that. That was traumatic for me. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was more traumatic than you calling your daughter in the room. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. I had hair the day before that. <laughs> That's actually how I lost my hair. You had no grays in your beard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But was that, I mean, did you feel like it was depicted right in the documentary? Was it really just that he was I, becoming too big of a celebrity for the team to be under the coach's control? Back then, like the news you hear in locker rooms, and the insides and the issues you didn't hear as much. Yeah, you knew there was an issue because you heard about the hair drying incident, but you didn't think it was that big of an incident. You thought maybe it's a one-off, and everything's fine now. But yeah. then getting sold to Real Madrid, you're like, "The fuck is going on? How yeah. are we going to replace this guy? We All need right. somebody just as good as this guy." Right. And then we were supposed to get Ronaldinho, 
and he went to Barcelona. Uh-huh. So then we were like, you know, you're worried about how your team is going to do the next season with this missing piece. Yeah. And how are we going to replace him? Because we already lost Ronaldo. Oh, right. Oh, did, no, we didn't get Ronaldo yet. We didn't get Ronaldo yet. But He was, played with Ronaldo at one point, though. I think they played together at Real Madrid. I think Ronaldo came after. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I think Ronaldo came after Beckham. Yeah. 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 And the documentary, I think it was at Real Madrid. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was like, you know, imagine any American football team losing its star quarterback. Yeah. Or running back or wide receiver. Right. During the, and going to another team now at it's their like peak. Brady, like, Brady going to Tampa Bay and winning yeah. the fucking Super Bowl. Yeah. You saw how. Cleveland fans acted when LeBron left yeah, the first time. Yeah, like they burned his jersey. Yeah, it's not, not we weren't burning jerseys, but you have to be hurt to do that. And yeah. then we were like, you know, right, right. Yeah, that's like um, uh, Terrell Owens. Terrell Owens? No, mm-hmm. not Terrell Owens. Uh, I forget the. There's a wide receiver that Odell Beckham. No. Nah. Uh, Tyrese, no, get the guy's name. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, let's get to it. All right. Where do you want to travel to? Maybe Asia. Never been to Asia? Never. What countries? Maybe Thailand, China, yeah. Japan. Yeah. Check some shit out. You want to do some stand-up over there? Not necessarily. I'll do it if it's in a good spot. I'll do it. Why not? What's keeping you from going there? I just haven't put the effort into trying to get out there. Right. Yeah. What's the coolest place you ever visited? Visited? Uh, I went to the Fiji Islands. Did you really? Yeah, yeah. No shit. Yeah. Wow. I think that might be Asia. Nah. It's not? I can't. I don't. Polynesia? It's much more. Yeah. Pacific, yeah, you know, yeah, and we stopped there on the way back from Australia for like three or four days, nice. and we landed in Fiji, and then we had to take one of those boats that will get on another plane that lands in the water. No, that slides up to the island a resort, and yeah. you get out, and you're on. The, they sing you on the island while you're coming on the island. You see them singing other people that have finished their vacation off the island. No way. Get up, and then we just. On all exclusive paid, and we're just chilling. Damn. Yeah, it was fun as fun. Topless beaches, right? Not on that island. No. I didn't. I mean, if there was, and I missed it, I'm yeah. pissed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Ever save somebody's life? Yeah. But what are we gonna do? Brag about it? I don't. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know if it. I. <sighs> I don't know if I saved her life or I thought, like based on movies, right? (laughs) (laughs) When you're a kid, you watch all these detective shows, when a car flips over, right? Yeah. Normally explodes. It has to explode. It has to explode. You got about 30 seconds. It's the laws of TV physics. Right. So I don't even like telling this story. I don't know, but I'll tell it. So I was a kid, I was like 14, and I went to school in Maypen, 
which is in Clarendon. And I had to take like our in bus England. in Jamaica. This is in Jamaica. Oh. I take a bus ride, an hour bus ride to school every day. No shit. Yeah. And an hour back. Wow. Because you pass an exam and they assign you a high school uh-huh. from wherever you're from. That's the high school you got to go to. Uh-huh. So in the evening, we walk from the school to the Maypen, which is the major town where you catch the buses. And for some reason that day, there was no buses, like no buses. And they used to have vans too. And like everybody just waiting out, what the fuck? No buses. Uh-huh. We don't know what happened. Yeah. And one van pulled up. It was like a bigger, little bigger than the van. They call it a coaster. It's in between a van and a bus. Mm-hmm. So everybody piled in that motherfucker, right? Everybody piled in that motherfucker. And it was so packed, I just stood up. I didn't hold on to nothing. That's how packed. People hanging out the door, which uh-huh. is a normal thing. Yeah. Conductors hanging out the door, wind is whipping, like everybody, you know. So we, I don't, the van driver started flying. It's an hour trip. He's flying. It's like the road is empty. And we get into Old Harbor, which is the second major town. And he hits a bump, flies up in the air. Shit rolls over. No. Yeah, rolls over and lands. Right? And now it's the van is like on its side. Yeah. It's on its side. So now so like the like where the windows are is like the floor. Yeah. Like the side windows. Right. So you're just standing up in the van. I don't know how everybody flipped around. Everybody's rushing out through the back window, which uh-huh. is now a door. Yeah. I'm running out too. This shit's going to explode. <laughs> Fuck this. And I've and I, I seen the movies. I know what time it is. <laughs> Get the fuck out of this thing. And then uh, I, I see this lady, everybody's stepping over her and running out. And I get to the fucking door slash window, which is now the door. I just couldn't like. Everyone is gone except for her. I couldn't leave her in there. Yeah. So then I just ran back. That's what I, the, happens in the movie. Yeah, and I and I and I helped her out. Really? Yeah. And then, uh, and then, it didn't explode. Yeah. No. It didn't explode. And yeah. then, uh, and then, so she was probably going to so be fine. It, so if it had exploded, then you would it would have counted as saving her life. Right. But when we got to the hospital later, like I had a friend who was unconscious in yeah. the accident. One guy died, right? No shit. Yeah, one guy died, and that people were injured. I was injured too, but not as, as injured as my friend, like because everybody cushioned me. Yeah. So, I, we still wasn't home. So my we walked to the city with my friend who just regained consciousness, got him into a taxi to the hospital. We all got in there, all the friends, my friend group, and then on the way to Spanish Town Hospital, I got out at Liber Gardens where we lived to go tell his family yeah, and to tell my family. And then I told my family, I'm gonna go to the hospital. And then my father came home. He's like mad, cool, relaxed, nonchalant. I kind of get it from him. And then he took me to the hospital. But when I got to the hospital, I saw that lady and she thanked me. Oh, nice. She thanked me. In front of your dad. In front of my dad. That's a big moment. Yeah. Damn. So she felt like I helped her. Right. I guess that's, yeah. I mean, it's about intention. 
you yeah, know, yeah. it's that you ran into the burning building, basically. It didn't end up burning, but didn't you ran burning, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Um, have you ever joined any clubs? Soccer. Besides soccer. Mm. Like religious clubs in Jamaica, like in high school. Oh, really? Like that. Yeah. yeah. I was a big Christian. No shit. Yeah, that up. I was like a, also altar boy in the Pentecostal church. Whoa. Shit like that. Yeah. Is Pentecostal like speaking in tongues and all that? Nah, it sounds like it, but it's like really the Church of England. Yeah, oh, okay. In, in Jamaica, it's like Episcopal. the Anglican Church. Yeah. Episcopal, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess I forgot the name of that. Wow. Yeah. So I did all that. So when you join a religious club, is it just like Bible readings and Bible stuff? readings, like, you know, yes. Like I really didn't want to go to hell. So yeah. I was doing everything, all the preventative measures. Right. Like I was scared of hell, man. So, you scared of masturbating? Uh, I wasn't even thinking about that during then. Yeah. Yeah. I was, this was in Jamaica. Uh -huh. People wasn't masturbating like that. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that about Jamaica. Yeah. Like, maybe they are now, but back yeah. then we wasn't masturbating like that. <laughs> maybe I should join a church group. I would have gotten a lot more done as a teenager. So, has like, because I was raised Catholic and I still have like a sense of God, even though I don't have mm -hmm. organized religion in my life anymore. Mm -hmm. Do you still have that left over from that belief system? Yes and no. Like, there's a spirituality. I remember, like, in high school, the same high school that I went to, happened in the same school where, like, for the first time as a young teenage adult, somebody came to class and they, we had a prayer every morning. And they asked if anybody wanted to accept God into their life. Right. And I did. And I felt like this strong thing, like, life-changing right you know so i carried that with me a lot and then when i moved to america it was just like it was simple like there's so many girls and i knew i couldn't sin uh -huh. and like date a girl just like how your mom didn't want you to live with someone yeah i felt like like this torn but i'm like i'm young i need to right. date and shit and i was like but if i do and i have sex or kiss i'm gonna be sinning yeah so i had to like take a departure I had a conversation with God behind the broiler of the Burger King broiler. I was like, God, I'm going to have to take a break. And I hope in between this break, I don't die uh -huh. and go to hell. Right. But just give me a chance to like explore. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, maybe I'll make my way back to you or something. All right. But I got to, you know, this, they out here and I'm out here. This is not. All right. This is not non masturbating Jamaica no more. Yeah. Is, right. The Playboy channel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm and it didn't it. come from your parents. It, it came from you. What? Finding religion. No, they took us to church. And then there was a church in there when we moved back to Jamaica in the community that we mm. all went to. Yeah. And it, it was fun. Like, there's a group of people my age there. Mm -hmm. Went to Sunday school there. So it just felt natural to just roll into that. Yeah. You know, what else was there to do? You yeah. Know what I mean, priest was cool. We respected him. Uh huh. Didn't it touch none of us? No. No, it's just like, all right. No, no priests ever fucked with me. We had great priests. Yeah. You know, I mean, 90, I don't know what percentage of priests are good, but, you know. In the church of England, Pentecostal, the priests are married. So they might, our priests oh, had, a, yeah, had yeah. a wife. Right. It's you a Catholic I mean? priest where you get in trouble. Yeah. Um, 
That's interesting. I didn't know that about you. Mm-hmm. So you don't go to church anymore? Nah. I got more into like spiritual stuff. Like I right. believe in the universe and right. God and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I sense a power. I sense like an organization of the universe that mm-hmm. isn't random. Yeah. Like I believe in a higher power because of eyelashes. Eyelashes? Yeah. Intelligent design. Yeah. If you don't have eyelashes, every second of the day, something will blow in your eye. <laughs> like, and we just have those. And like, we go months and years without anything just going in our eye. Isn't that right. bananas? Right. That's why that, when, that's... when a girl winks at you, you feel God a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. So... I wonder how God feels about fake eyelashes. You're kind of fucking with them. You're kind of going like, hey, this is, miracle isn't yep. good enough for yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you ever not finished a set on stage? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Let me see. Because you did Deaf Comedy Jam twice. Yeah. You got through Most both of times. those? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's probably sets where I was booed off. Yeah. Yeah, like or keys one time in atlanta it was one of those clubs oh, i they, heard about that yeah they yeah. should they don't like you you, you just perform into dead silence and you start hearing more yeah. fuck, you see, see them taking the keys out oh. and, you, and you're just panicking setting up the next joke and then they start shaking them and then you're like oh shit damn i can hear the keys fam black crowds can either they were take you they can either take you to the heavens on yeah. their wings they can be the greatest crowds in the world yeah or they can shake the fucking keys. Yeah. So once the keys come out, it's over. Once one person starts shaking them, it's over. Yeah. Somebody's not going to let them, that person be the only person yeah, yeah. shaking the keys. I want to join in on the fun. The yeah. audience is going to have fun yeah. whether you bomb or kill. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? In a black club. <laughs> <laughs> whether you bomb or kill, they're going to have fun <laughs> at your expense. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so it's like, you're not going to waste their money. That is so funny. <laughs> Yeah, D. Ray Davis, you know, he's, he has that show at the Improv. Mm-hmm. So I went up there one night. I was, I was like running a TV set. So I wasn't, I wasn't in the moment. Like black mm-hmm. crowds don't like it when you feel like you're mailing it in. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I go up and I start my set about like, hey, I grew up in blah, blah. And, and they just weren't buying it. And right. even though it was only like a seven minute set, like I fucking, t- they started turning their, their chairs away from me. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Having conversations. Having conversations. And so I got off stage and then D-Ray took me by the arm and he brought me back up on stage and he took the microphone and he held it and he, he put his arms underneath mine to make it look like it was, it was me. (laughs) And he started narrating what was really going through my head. So he's adding to it. No, no, no. It was amazing. Oh, the well. crowd fucking loved it. He started killing, uh-huh. saying what he thought I was thinking oh, while I was funny. bombing. That's funny. That's... <laughs> Cursing out the audience. Uh-huh. And it was fucking hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. He saved my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Listen, Ian Edwards, normally I read a comedian's tour dates coming up, but you don't have any because you're going to be, you're going to be sitting at the fucking in the writer's room driving to work. I do have a comedy club spot in Kansas, whatever, whatever the comedy club is. The February. Comedy Club, it's called. In Kansas? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm there in February. So oh, up. really? Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't know because you, you don't have a website. I know. Do I need one or is LinkedIn, not LinkedIn, like, uh, 
LinkedIn? Not LinkedIn. The something tree, Linktree. I don't enough. know about that one. Right. No, I think, I mean, the fact that I didn't promote your club date is mm-hmm. a reason right there that you need a website because that's how I get people's dates. All right, right. You go to the website. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll fire it back up. Oh, you had one? I had one, yeah. I'm not like a total <laughs> loser. I'm a s- semi-loser, fam. You're a lapsed winner. <laughs> yeah, lapsed. Look at it that way. <laughs> yeah, a lapsed yeah. winner. Remember, I'm not trying to be famous, so I'm not funny. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to always have to work for it. See, I think you and I are similar <laughs> like that. Yeah. Even though I, I'm not where I want to be, I think I agree with you. That's a really good point, that mm-hmm. not being where you want to be shows that you care, and it shows that you're trying. I want to stay hungry. Yeah, because I... I could see getting to a point where I go like, all right, this is more than I need. Mm-hmm. I've never been a more than I need kind of guy. Right. You know, like I like balance in my life. I like spending time with my family, my friends Dope. and exercising. And like, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be that guy that's making fucking videos all day, every day. Right. And getting to a point where I'm making so much money that we get some of these comics, what they're making mm-hmm. and they still go on the road. I don't understand 200 that. nights a year. Yeah, I don't understand that. I'd be like, let's slow down. Right. Yeah. Let's find the spot where I'm making just a little more than I need. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, also. Um, but tell him to follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic. All right. Follow him on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic. Yeah. And also check out his special. Didn't Bill Burr produce your last oh, special yeah. on Netflix? On uh, Comedy Central. Comedy Central? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Instagram, uh, Twitter? At Ian Edwards Comic. Nice. And uh, I'm on YouTube, too. Okay. Good. Yeah, watch your series. I, I love your clips. Oh, thanks. They're all up on YouTube. They're very funny. It's a funny premise, and you guys are uh, silly. Appreciate that, roommates. Yeah. yeah. Um. Thanks for being on, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Love you, man. Love you I'm too. glad I uh, got to do this one first for the year for you. I know. Yeah. It's an honor. Oh, with you, yeah. Yeah. Okay. See ya. We just ordered it's now. Just, just. Are they going to cut it? Shh. Shh. Just, Trying to end it. Shh. Uh,